Plain Jane, Jackie Chain, Richard Millie. You gon' be the one, bust it down, I can see it. Diamonds in the face, crushed up, I can see it. Diamonds in the face, crushed up, I can see it. Diamonds in the face, crushed up, I can see it. Diamonds in the face, crushed up, I can see it. Diamonds in the face, diamonds in the face. Have a ticket for my rich spill, so be it. I five pointers in the face. Welcome to What's Left of the Watchmen, a Watchmen review podcast from a leftist perspective. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Um, just drinking, hanging out on a Thursday night, talking politics a little while ago on our other cast. And now we're here for the main dish, main course, reviewing the Watchmen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, let's just get right into it. I'm sure, you know, if you've if you've listened to any of our podcasts before, we've done uh we did a review of the entire 8th season of Game of Thrones. We've done plenty of uh movie reviews uh on top of our typical political coverage. So I imagine that this is going to end up uh probably similar to our Game of Thrones reviews where we really kind of dig in to the episode. Um I don't know if this is going to necessarily be an every week thing or an every other week thing or you know for as long as the show's good. I guess we'll we'll find out. Um I I, I personally have a lot of faith after that first episode that it's going to be something that's going to be uh worthwhile uh to review because I I you know <laughs> spoilers for for our thoughts, but I I I thought that uh the pilot of of the show was incredible and uh you know we're going to get into the the kind of breakdown of of the episode but yeah, uh I, I don't know where i saw this or who it was actually quoting but somebody from the show itself it might have even been the, the the show runner uh i don't know if you have his name in front of you um but Damn somebody Lundwald, somebody yeah. yeah said that this is not going to be a, a political show and not tied to current events and they were clearly lying (laughs) (laughs) because i couldn't imagine a show more keyed into where we are as a country right now uh than this show and they didn't hold anything back this was just like you know not 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 even like sjw bullshit but just like this is this is the fucking this is real this is what the show is really about we're going to tell you exactly what the show is about and then show you and it's going to be about white supremacy and we're going to call it terrorism Right. And they're not going to hold anything back. And you're going to fucking understand exactly where the, the, you know, what the historical context of this, this is, you know, this is about the sins of our country, the same way the original Watchmen was, was very much, you know, similar to that original comic book series in the eighties, of course. Uh, And this is about our original sin, slavery and racism. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and we're going to get into each, each kind of aspect of that, but so, you know, briefly let's, let's chat about Watchmen in general, because, um, you know, uh, watch, I, I read Watchmen when it uh, years ago, like, you know, when I was first kind of getting into comics and uh, of course I, like everyone was like, this is fucking incredible. This is, uh, this is art. This is literature. This isn't, you know, this isn't a fucking, you know, Batman annual. This is like actual fucking like storytelling uh in comic form and of course written by an anarchist (laughs) yeah written by alan moore who's who's a fucking lunatic but you gotta love him like he just he's constantly just like you know anytime anyone asks him about any of his work he's like oh fuck them fuck them with the i don't want them you know he's the only person i know who's ever been like yeah no fuck you i don't want any fucking money just just don't don't touch my shit like it stands for itself 
Um, but which um, I appreciate. I mean, Bill Watterson oh, yeah, totally. didn't want Calvin and Hobbes commercialized and turned into a fucking cartoon uh, and turned into a toy. Right. So I, I appreciate that. But, you know, there's a line in the comic of Watchmen where Rorschach mocks Osmandius for selling out on the on on like the image of 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 the Watchmen and like you know, turning it into toys and shit which they actually took out of the movie even though they had that conversation like that scene in the in the film mm. they took that out of the movie because they would never dare fucking criticize you know <laughs> toy companies but it, it is funny like it, like all the shit that he probably was worried about probably came to pass like which is why he doesn't want his work touched but at the same time you know he did create a beloved property uh and it, and it is a universe that I, obviously, as as we've seen, at least in this brief uh, example, is is ripe for expansion. So you know, Lindelof, sure. and Lindelof. Well, uh, I was just just to, to, yeah, to add to that real quick. You know, Bill Watterson wrote and illustrated Calvin Hobbes, and he held on to the rights of it. Uh, you know, Alan Moore never, <clears throat> you know, never owned the rights to to this. You know, when you when you make a comic book for you know DC. DC owns it, right? So it's not like he went into that uh, it, without knowing that fact. Now, he might object to people uh, doing adaptations of it, and I understand that's, that's I appreciate that, but uh, people like the story and they want to have more of it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't, think it, I don't think it takes anything away from the original story to do a meaningful continuation of it that's respectful to the source material. You know, we're not talking about, you know... Uh, See also El Camino. <laughs> right. You know, we're not talking about a, a, a bumper sticker of <clears throat> Calvin pissing on a, you know, on a Ford logo. You know, like that's that does nothing to enhance the comics whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But no, I, and I think, and I say it's a joke, but El Camino is a great example. It's like, you, you can you can watch El Camino, you can not watch El Camino. Has zero effect on the tremendous, just, you know, amazing show that Breaking Bad was. This is the groundbreaking series that it was um it, it, and if it, you like freaking bad in el camino we just did a review of el camino so uh, go check yeah, that out yeah. if you haven't already <laughs> for sure but but again and if, and if you lo- love breaking bad you know it's just really great to be in that universe for two hours again in a, in a really you know just just well-made two-hour epilogue to the series so it's like i get that you don't you know necessarily feel comfortable with it but hey i mean it's just it's just the way unfortunately the way hollywood works it's like that's just not going to happen like you you know well but so in in the vein i was just just real quick to add to that in the vein that you know el camino feels very much like breaking bad feels like the same universe but you know technically is shot on a little bit higher level um you know this this hbo's watchmen people i didn't really know what to expect i think a lot of people didn't know what to expect they didn't know if it was going to be just a, a a retelling of the original Watchmen or a sequel to the movie or what, but this was definitely not a sequel to the movie. This is definitely a sequel no, no, no. To, to the original to the graphic novel. Uh, and, and just, I mean, Zack Snyder, like I, I, I like the Watchmen film. It's you the know, only good I, movies ever made. It, like, yeah, let's be, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually like the Dawn of the Dead movie, yeah. but, but like it, it's one of the only good movies he's ever made. It, a, it's, a fucking awful it, filmmaker. It, I mean, I feel like the comic, which I haven't completely read in its entirety, you would know better than I am, or I do, uh, is more sardonic, whereas the film is more just bleak and Zack Snyder grim and just like... So the problem is that 
Zack Snyder is a fucking Ayn Randian libertarian fountainhead lunatic. Like he's literally making the fountainhead movie right now. Like he's a fucking lunatic. And Alan Moore is, is, is arguably a leftist anarchist. Like, you know, if I had to box him into one, you know, although he's fucking all over the place, but that's probably how I would describe him. You know, an anarcho-socialist. If I had a cult. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's a weird guy, but like, but so, but, but when you, like Zack Snyder reads Watchmen and thinks Rorschach is the hero of Watchmen. And that is the fundamental flaw with that movie. And I actually like the movie because it's largely a faithful adaptation scene to scene. But there's not the same t- tonally. It it does feel different. And yeah, I think that's just because of who Zack Snyder is as a person versus who um, versus who uh, Alan Moore is. But so you know but largely i mean the plot points pretty much stayed the same the only big difference was that uh in the comics as in as in the the universe of the tv series uh it's not that dr manhattan's energy is what is what you know attacks the is is orchestrated as a fake attack by ozymandias to bring together the nations of the world uh ozymandias actually uh creates this like uh, giant squid like, a giant squid like lovecraftian like other dimension like it's not actually other dimensional but he makes it seem like it's it's literally a false flag he creates this other dimensional uh giant squid monster to attack and you know it unites the world with a common enemy and it ends the cold war and and so you know he kills millions of people it's really like it was almost kind of the proto thanos like he killed millions of people to save billions of people um and, you know, he's a complicated figure for that. Like, it's not, you know, strictly speaking, a heroic act, but you could argue the merits of it either way. Um, but and, and, you know, for people that would be like, well, you know, he did the right thing because he saved billions of lives. Yeah, well, in modern day, you know, 2019, we ended the Cold War without killing millions of people, you know. So it's it's a question of whether whether it was necessary or well, whether it was I mean, his narcissism that you led could him argue to argue that the you know the austerity inflicted upon people uh to put so many resources into fighting a cold war uh definitely that's, led yeah, to the, the the deaths of a lot of people. But uh but that anyway, was going so, on anyway already by that point, and even in the Watchmen unit, like it, it's it's a complicated it's it's but that's that's the beautiful thing about Watchmen is it's not a black and white, you know, superhero story. It's it's a really nuanced, layered story. And that's why I when I saw a lot of people like a lot of leftists, like like, you know, friends of ours on Twitter saying shit like, oh, oh I, I can't believe you guys like uh, are, are, are watching uh, All Lives Matter, the TV or, you know, the, or Blue Lives Matter, the TV series. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, can you, just what a basic like. They hadn't Just watched uninterested. It. They hadn't yeah, watched no, it. for sure. Shit, because uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is to to get it get Just into because, the actual yeah. show a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, what's the very first yeah. image we see is this, you know, old timey silent movie um, with this, you know, with uh, you know this chase scene on horseback happening, and you see this hooded figure uh, lasso and pull down off their horse uh, this this sheriff. Right. And this uh, priest and the townspeople come out of the church and say, what are you doing? What are you doing to our sheriff? And the uh, hooded figure pulls his hood off and it's this this black man, this black marshal. And this little kid goes, don't you know who that is? That's Bass Reeves. And it's actually 
based on this real life person, this real life uh, who I had never heard of, but incredibly was was actually a marshal who he brought in like three thousand outlaws during his time as a marshal. He's basically like not a bounty like he was a bounty hunter without actually the bounty. He would literally just go around looking for these people. Kind of like like an earl, like a proto Django, um, right? And so, you he know, only people, ended up killing fourteen people, like in his in his time, where he captured three thousand. Yeah. So clearly, he was trying to take them all alive. Well, um, and and people kind of, kind of ask, like, well, why? What is the what is this opening for? Like, what part of the yeah. story does this tell? And we see that the only person who's in the audience watching the, the silent film is this little four year old black boy, right? And he's he's reading the, you know, I mean, f- four or five, six or so. <clears throat> and he's reading the, you know, the, 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 the cue cards that are in between the action because it's a silent film uh, while his mother's playing the piano because silent films were ever really silent. They were always accompanied with live music played in the theater uh, uh, or if it was an outdoor screening, wherever uh, back in the day. And he's he's you can tell that the words or the message of this uh, Marshall uh, that the you know that we should have uh, just rule rather than mob rule. He's he's taking that in, right? And we see this very like this version of lawful good that's being impressed upon this child. And then just seconds later, you, the the theater is bombed. You hear a bomb go off, and the father comes in with a rifle, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of the 1921 uh, Tulsa uh, race massacre. Where yeah, the uh, bombing three, of Black Wall Street, yeah, um, where the KKK and the police uh, murdered three hundred uh, black people, business owners on what was what was called, as you said, Black Wall Street. So, you we go from showing this uh, sort of uh, almost un, completely unrealistic but baseline version of lawful good to showing the diametric opposite outside that theater, yeah, yeah. unlawful evil. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, and suddenly deal, yeah. here's here's the real world. And I mean, I was um, like I the minute that the, the like you heard the roof of the theater get hit with dynamite or a bomb and like yeah. dust fall down. I was like, I know exactly what they're about to show me. I know what they're about to show us. This is going to be fucking awesome. Um, and man, the reactions on black Twitter were just through the roof uh, of people. Just saying, like you know, I mean, there was a there was a movie about it with Ving Rhames years ago that I think probably not many people saw. Uh, this certainly wasn't taught in, in public schools when I was growing up. Um, I, yeah, I, I've heard about this in recent years, but I never learned about this in school. And yeah. there's a very specific reason that we don't learn about this in school. Well, they, there was not even an investigation mm-hmm. into what happened there until 1996, 75 years Jesus later. Christ! Uh, the Tulsa oh. Tribune has erased all record of their coverage of those events. It's like the, the paper doesn't exist. It's been erased from their, from their microfilm records. Like it, it, this was wow. a huge cover up to completely hide what they did. They literally dropped bombs from fucking prop planes. Like they, they, they yes. this, this was like a, a, like a fucking military assault that they were and they planning. Showed, they showed all of this in this, yeah, this opening Incredible. sequence. And, you know, and you're seeing that this, kid, this kid's watching all this happen. He's, he, you know, there's like a bullet that goes through the little box he's hiding in the, in the back of this car trying to get out of town. And he peers out the out the little hole and he's, you see this this carriage that's dragging two uh, black men to their death, dragging them to death. And then you see the plane come over and just dropping dynamite sticks on the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, just the fact that, it's, like, you know, so many people on Twitter were, were you know, mostly white people saying, I had no idea this happened. I've never I'd never heard of this before. 
uh, and and to really show the 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 total opposite of you know this 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 little silent film opening where uh, you know you the marshals saying oh no 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 mob justice we must you know rule law and then to show the total polar opposite of that to really kind of show the two extremes of what are possible at least in in our minds right and in our history and then to go into the world of the watchman you know 25 30 yeah. years later after what alan moore wrote you really don't know what to expect they've really subverted your expectation where uh you know the, the, the there's that line from the uh the next upcoming episode or one of the next upcoming episodes from this this fbi agent uh who used to be in the watchman and she says, you know what the difference between a, a masked cop and a masked vigilante is? And they go, nope. And she goes, I don't know either. So, so that idea that, you know, what is just lawful good or unlawful evil, uh, you know, a masked vigilante versus masked cop, you know, who, who is the good guy? Who's, you know, from whence comes yeah. justice? We don't know what the answer is, but that's what this show is going to explore. It's going to be fucking brilliant. <laughs> And, and again, and that's why it's like when I, when, when I saw people be like, oh, I can't believe you guys are watching, you know, Blue Lives Matter, the TV series. I'm like, yeah, it's a total Blue Lives Matter show that starts with the fucking bombing of Tulsa in 1921, like by by cops and Klansmen working together. Like that's yeah, that's a show that's super pro cop. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, obviously, as we'll get into, the show is clearly a look at as you said our original sin you know slavery and white supremacy that this country was founded on um but you know it, it to start with a scene like that was such a shotgun blast to the face that probably none of us were expecting <laughs> that it's like this show it this show is immediately like a thousand times more interesting than it than i than it was before that this well episode aired. And, and i was like and, what the fuck you know, we've established that the, you know, the bad guys, or at least the, the, uh, the evident bad guys, uh, in this story are this group of white supremacists, uh, yeah. called the, the seventh Before, cavalry yeah. who have adopted the, the Roy shark mask as their, you know, their, their symbol and their way of hiding themselves the same way the clan would. And I saw somebody tweet out, well, I don't understand. And I don't like that. They adopted Roy shark as their, their identifier. Rorschach, Rorschach. Yeah, People will correct and, us on Twitter. <laughs> I, I mispronounce that word for some reason all the time. Uh, and, and I was like, dude, did you do you understand his ideology was completely right wing ideology? <laughs> like that was so explicit yeah. in Alan Moore's comic. Yeah. So let, just just briefly, I, two things I want to get into before we really dig into the episode is 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 the kind of backstory of 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 the Watchmen and and also of the show's runner or the show creator. But um, you know, you you mentioned that uh you know basically where we are in 2019 when we enter the series is is you know the 30 40 plus years after the events of Watchmen, which end in 1985 i believe when osmandius we find out through the course of the Watchmen comic has orchestrated all of these these false flags to this was his master plan like he was you know he wanted to to end the cold war and, and, and ensure world peace. But he also had no compunctions about doing it in, you know, in a very cold and calculated way that would kill, kill millions of people. So like he, the whole thing was orchestrated in order to make sure his plan wasn't foiled. Like he killed the comedian to make sure he didn't discover his plan. He, um, he convinced the world that Dr. Manhattan was 
causing like just his being was causing cancer like being near him was causing cancer because he knew that that was the only thing that would exile dr manhattan was if he was so hated by uh the world that he 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 felt the need to flee uh to you know to mars and then eventually to other galaxies um and you know he uh he orchestrated all of this and uh so you know you mentioned the thing about uh, about the the masks and everything so the watchman's predicated on uh this senator uh i think keeney or something like that joe keeney um who who passed this uh this act which banned uh mass vigilantes so like the only people that didn't so basically at the start of the comic watchman it's a brilliant premise it's not at all like the story of a bunch of superheroes you know going on missions it's like a bunch of fucking retired kind of schlubby uh ex-superheroes who are all forced into exile because it's literally illegal to be a vigilante and the only one who actually has superpowers by some fluke is dr manhattan everyone else is just a vigilante night owl who's not even the original night owl he's just you know a guy uh silk specter and you know rorschach and rorschach is such a an ideologue and and a lunatic that he refuses to stop uh carrying out vigilante justice and as you said he's like like, you know i mean admittedly in zack snyder's film like that that he does come off as pretty badass because he's just, he does, mean, but that's because Jack Zack Snyder identified read that comic and was like, "Oh, this guy's the hero." When realistically, right. you're supposed to be like, "This guy's kind of a fucking loon." Like they they're all friends with him, so they try to you know save him from harm, but he's a far right lunatic in the in the comic. Right. Like he he's super homophobic, yeah, so super. That's, that's why I didn't yeah. understand how somebody could not understand how a bunch of actual right wing white supremacists would identify with that. I almost feel like the fact that that's who the villain is, is, is all these fuckers uh, in this thing is sort of a knock on Zack Snyder himself that he thought that was, I I think so too. I I, I think that's, that's certainly, and so, and you know, the whole comic is kind of told through Rorschach's perspective where he's writing in this journal, you know, and and a lot of the narration is, is Rorschach's journal entries where, you know, the whole, like, you know, they're going to look up and whisper, save or shout, save us. And I'll look down and whisper. No, like all of those things, all those lines that are, you know, Rorschach classic lines were part of Rorschach's diary um, narration. And at the end of the, and, and he, the whole reason that Dr. Manhattan killed him at the end of Watchmen and this, you know, was faithfully adapted in the movie is because he was, he wouldn't go back and and keep up the lie to maintain that, you know, the pe- the world peace that was achieved. He was going to tell everyone what uh, Adrian, you know, Osmandius's plan was. So they had to kill him. But he ended up sending his journal to a far right newspaper um, and presumably they publish it. And that's where we are at in, in the world of, of 2019. Like, it's unclear whether or not people know that there's that that the entire squid attack was a hoax it's clearly like a conspiracy theory that exists because later when we see the scene in the pod uh not to skip ahead but they they ask like do you believe that the uh, government orchestrated a conspiracy uh the extra dimensional beings whatever what you know and it's clear Um, that if he says yes that's the wrong answer to hear right exactly yeah they're they're trying to rapid fire questions at him to get him to slip up and give a answer to indicate that he's one of the the seventh kingdom uh members seventh cavalry seventh Seventh cavalry Cavalry. yeah um 
but so just real quick before we, yeah, you know, I just want to give that a little bit of backstory context. Sure. Because it, it's, um, and I also just briefly want to talk about Damon Lindelof, who is the showrunner of Watchmen, because he's a really interesting character. He gets a lot of shit because he uh, was the showrunner, one of the co-showrunners on Lust, which, you know, I personally think gets looked back at less fondly than it should because the first three seasons at least of that show were tremendous now i think he didn't have much story to tell beyond that and the network was like yeah that's too bad because it's number one gotta keep the main show on cable right. you're gonna do six seasons and they actually went to them and said like look we don't have six seasons so you well, know then and, it became and, like the island was moving through time and you know it, right, it, they had right. been, yeah so to his credit i i just saw just to, to add your point uh article today where he said i pretty much put everything I have to put into, into this season. And if HBO wants to continue it, they should bring on a different showrunner and he wow. wants Ryan Coogler. Wow. That's, that's who fucking you, incredible. Yeah, that's, that's amazing yeah. that he's just like, I don't, I don't want to do more with it than this, but I would love so to see he, more. And I, I want Coogler to do it. That's incredible. And I hope that happens, yeah. but <laughs> me too. <He's> such a, <laughs> I know, right? That Jesus Christ. But uh, to give an auteur like Ryan Coogler a show like this would just be fucking fire. But so he, you know, he exercised a lot of those demons with The Leftovers, which is one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, and I feel like 10 people have seen that series. Like it was a very, oh, I know. Un, you know, yeah. underwatched series. And it's incredible. I saw the little thing he wrote. Uh, about why he decided to go ahead and, and do the Watchmen after saying mm-hmm. no for so long, and he he referenced the leftovers, and I was like, wait a minute, dude, is that his show too? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which, that was him exercising the demons of Lost. He was like, all right, look, it's going to be three seasons. I'm not going to explain the mystery at the end. I'm going to literally put a fucking song in the title that's that lyrics are uh, let the mystery be like that. I'm, I'm going to do everything different than I did in fucking lost. Oh, I know that was great. And, and I, I, uh, the first, first half of the first season of leftovers, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. It's about a religious cult. And that was just where it started, not where it continued. But at the same time, I, mm-hmm. I just started watching, um, uh, handmaiden's tale so i was kind of like i can't deal with this much religious cult bullshit in two shows at once so i kind of had to like put it on the back burner but uh leftovers was just phenomenal i was really glad that you you kept pushing me to to, to continue with that show because it's a series that's hard to get into at first but once you get in it's like the second and third season of that show are two of the best seasons of of dramatic television i've ever watched and it's like i can't believe this is a fucking tv series like this, oh i know you know, I know. It's like, and, and, and when it when it ends you're so fucking satisfied and you're like this was only three seasons i feel like yeah. this was 10 i feel like this was like 10 seasons to get here but uh but know, yeah, really for people that haven't told, seen that go watch that show it's a yeah, great precursor it, to this if you're tired of you know seeing the same fucking story go watch that because my god that's unlike any other story i've ever seen before yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, and we won't spoil the leftovers on this pod, but we'll I'm sure we'll bring up elements of it because I, I really felt watching this, uh, the the DNA of the leftovers, like especially in scenes like with the with the squids falling and it's just like it just felt very leftovers to me. A lot of moments in this series, like I, I feel like, you know, it, they're not they're, they're kind of distant cousins in, in terms of like the way Linda Lott is learning yeah. TV. No, I agree. There, there was a few elements of leftovers that never really got explained. And I was fine with, mm-hmm. whereas I feel like with this, with Watchmen, at least this, this pilot episode, everything had a de- very deliberate purpose. 
and yeah. was very apparent to me. I mean, there's, there's still like, they're setting up questions that are going to get answered later on. Yeah. Uh, but you so, know, just, just yeah. when you, when we kind of, to kind of get to the, the point we're trying to make here, uh, or I was trying to make, uh, you know, when, when people say, oh, it's a blue lives matter show or all lives matter show, you know, you, you see a, a very different world where, you know, the police don't even have a sidearm. They have to get a th- approval to unlock their gun to use it, which, you know, that, that in and of itself, like this is a very different kind of police world, right? Where the police are, you know, they, they were apparently all attacked by these white supremacists years ago. So now they cover their faces, right? Uh, they're, they're much more afraid apparently. Right. And, uh, you know, part of that sort of explained that, you know, Robert Redford became the president and has been the president <laughs> for the last 35 years. So you've got this like very, you know, Just West so wing do gooder liberalism where there's, there's much more gun control now, apparently. Um, but you know, you've got the main, one of the main characters is, is a, a you know, vigilante who works with the police or used to be police herself. And her, you know, I mean that, that fucking line, uh, that, uh, you know, S- sister Knight uh, has, you know, that, uh, she's an awesome sm- name, by the way, <laughs> you know, she, she, she says, I, I've got a nose for white supremacy and that guy smells like bleach. Like that was <laughs> probably the most quoted line I saw. Was no, that. Regina King's a national treasure. I, oh, I fucking absolutely. love Regina King. And that was, you know, so, and, and again, so, you know, I think just to wrap up the kind of Tulsa, uh, wing of the uh, wing of the story, cause it, it's kind of, you know, there's four pretty distinct, uh quadrants of this first episode that i'm sure will you know come together over time uh and also come together with 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 elements of the original series it seems as it seems like they're alluding to um but the tulsa thing i think was more so just illustrative of uh the larger themes of white supremacy and slavery in the story but also it introduces us to that character who is clearly the same character that we meet at the end of this uh the episode which we'll chat about a little bit later sure you know who we think he is well there was one more function of it is is if they're going to set up the enemy uh in this world as being these white supremacists or the idea that the the, you know white supremacy is a very bad thing uh in our history so that people don't misconstrue these assholes as the good guys because they've clearly identified with roy shark did I say Rorschach, it right yep. that time? Rorschach. Rorschach. <laughs> I, say it. I don't know why. Uh, it, Just call him R. <laughs> uh, they had to show something that was undeniably terrorism, right? The, the, yeah. this, this race massacre to make it very clear that, you know, these are not the good guys, right? Like these guys are so much worse that like the police look like good guys by comparison, or at least we're led to at least believe that at first. Um, yeah. Which and the, but then, and they make it very clear that they're a super fascist, you know, uh, police state as well. I mean, we see them interrogating people without due process. They literally torture a guy for information. I mean, they fucking, you know, like pick yeah. people up without this, warrant. This, this they, doesn't make know. the police look good. This is like the wire, yeah. which, <laughs> which everyone, exactly. every actual cop that watched the wire was like, Oh, this is the fucking fuck you to the police show, which, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, which it, they think about everything because they're the most right. sensitive fucking people in America. But that's oh, yeah. a whole nother fucking yeah. snowflakes. Unless it's that that bullshit TV show, uh, fucking Blue Blood with Tom Selleck. It's like a total fucking fascist right wing. <laughs> I, I I saw an episode one time just on accident. And it was like the, uh, the they, they weren't able to arrest a guy 
who was an actual terrorist because he was an undocumented undocumented immigrant and the ACLU was protecting him. And I was like, that's not the fucking how what? anything what? actually works what? in real life. Oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah. it was, it was terrible. I was like, oh, this show really is as fucking right wing as I thought. There, there's a whole genre of like awful right wing television like that. I, I also lump in shows like NCIS and like, I've seen like Madam Secretary on all those shows are made for like the dumbest people on the planet with like the dumbest, most basic ass, like unrealistic plot elements like things like that uh, it's just preposterous but Jag, in any event, remember uh, that fucking show yeah Jag, oh. they're, all, they're all the same show I'm, I'm not convinced that they're, they're all the same show and they're all led by that guy with the white hair and the dark eyebrows who <laughs> i'm pretty sure is on ncis <laughs> but be, i also think he's on all of those other shows so yeah um yeah and so and yeah be, be, because of those kind of shows i think that's why they wanted to establish really early on i mean the opening that's of this, not show, what this fucking show is a, yeah. a a a historical event that it's like here's how bad it really is or, or was uh you know and and here's the world we live in this is the historical context you need to understand to appreciate what's going on right because at first you're kind of like i didn't really know like is are the police still total white supremacists or these guys worse and and yeah. you know this sort of i feel like they're 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 modeled on the kkk but also this this new number one on the fbi's uh, watch list this uh, sovereign citizen movement where yeah. even though they're, very, they're very a bunch of fucking clan member you know racists they all they don't identify with the police or the u.s government either yeah they want to kill the yeah yeah so that they want to like blow up the oklahoma city building like those kind of guys right like yeah they, timothy mcveigh was a sovereign sovereign citizen like they don't believe exactly. in in the federal government like they think that they you know aren't citizens of the united states that they're oh sovereign. God. when i worked citizens. at the state department i had to talk to a few of these people they'd call in and be like how come my passport says you were a citizen i'm a citizen of the uh, a confederated republic of the state of georgia and i was just like oh no oh god here we go here comes the <laughs> manifesto yeah. yeah flag those calls um but yeah so um so you know from from the tulsa scene and you know which ends with with the young boy ending up you know and which by the way that's that scene where he's in in the box you know just seeing all the things through the the, the bullet hole in the box is just an incredible like harrowing visual uh and he wakes up you know in this field and everyone around him is dead uh, except for a, a baby that he, you know, picks up and, and there's a little sign on the baby that says like, uh, what, do you remember exactly what it was, it was like, protect this, this boy, or please something watch like that. over this boy. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's incredible. So, uh, are we, you know, and j- just jumping ahead real quick and we'll, we'll jump back, but the, are we to believe that the boy is 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 Will Reeves, the one we meet at the end, or that that's that's being in in the cradle, or is it the one that picks up the boy that we're to believe is Will Reeves? I don't know, but it doesn't matter because they're only a few years apart in age. But uh, you know, yeah, when, when we yeah. when we see Louis Gossip Jr., who we believe is the the, the hooded knight, you know, or at yeah. least we're, we're sort of yeah. led to believe that uh, yeah. at the very end, in the end scene, he's sitting there in the wheelchair under the tree, and he has the note laying there so i think it's pretty obvious that that is that was supposed to be him yeah yeah okay so well in any event um so from the tulsa scene we we go to the to modern day 2019 in you know alternate in watchman universe where uh a black cop's pulling over uh a white guy in a pickup truck who's (laughs) ironically listening to hip-hop music 
Um, oh, and that, that uh, another again a dichotomy of like the the, the white racist that loves yeah, who, black who, rap music yeah. but hates black people, <laughs> which is actually super common for people that don't it know is. a lot of white racists. It's Very totally common. <laughs> it's like because they, you know, again, like they they identify. They watch football with, too. They they love watching them. Like you yes. know. They they Keep love their brains the, in for their the, entertainment. The cultural aspects, they just they envy it. They wish it was theirs, you know, and it's not. So much racism is rooted in black envy and black fear, like fear that you know black people are going to replace them by by you know no, fucking well, white I mean, women. The, the whole idea of white supremacy is, is hey, uh, we're white and we can take anything we want from you, right? If yeah. we want to take your music, it's ours now. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, from that scene, we 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 go, uh, yeah. So we get that scene uh, where the cop pulls him over, and actually, that's something also that's that's you know shown in this is that the the police force in in Watchmen twenty nineteen is majority black. It appears like it, it, it. There's still white, you know, detectives and and sheriffs and things like that, but it's majority black. And it didn't actually seem to fix any of the issues in the police department, which is what we talk about all the time on on the political show is that, you know, that's just, you know, using identity politics as a shield for actual structural uh, systematic oppression. And it's not going to do anything to solve the issue. I mean, the, you know, we, we've talked, you know, extensively and people way smarter than us on this issue have talked extensively about how you need to abolish the entire system of law enforcement and start from scratch because it's built on this uh, foundation of white supremacy. I mean, the, the original, you know, state troopers can trace their origins directly back to slave patrols. Like that's why state troopers existed. It used to just be municipal, um, you know, uh, police and or neighborhood watches that would police these things. And now we've built such a incredible system of, of, systematic mass incarceration that we can't even fathom a world where that doesn't exist, but it really doesn't need to. So like that's, that's an interesting aspect. I think that not a lot of people picked up on from the pilot is that it, 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 Robert Redford seems like the classic, like neoliberal, like Justin Trudeau type who will do all these things that seem to be what the solutions are, you know, at, at least if you ask like, you know, a neoliberal who has no understanding of, class or you know any or even race consciousness any kind of consciousness beyond what sounds good as a soundbite what are their solutions oh well okay we'll do some gun control and we'll you know we'll make sure that the communities uh policing you look look uh, the people policing the communities look like uh the people in those communities and think just bullshit lines like that that don't actually fucking mean anything and don't do anything to solve the issue well, there's another level of, of racism uh presented too uh within the police force in that the black cop when he calls in to get authority to unlock the gun because he's genuinely thinks his life's in danger the first person the, the operator says oh, i'll get you over to so-and-so He's like, no, 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 no. Give, give me anybody else. Give me anybody else. Because he, like, you get the sense that, for whatever reason, the person who was going to give the approval or not give the approval was white and had a problem with that officer, right? So, yeah. the, like, even within the police, there's still like the, we live. We're still in the real world where racism exists, right? So, you know, I I, I like the the little the, the ways that they showed that throughout this episode. Um, and honestly, like I, I've always felt that like the police shouldn't all be armed, <laughs> you know, like only no, a very no. small number of, of, of police, if we had a just police force, would have the capacity to take a life, 
right now. In I, most I, countries, I, I imagine most cops aren't armed. If, if they if they really had a system where you had to call it in to unlock your gun, they would just lie and they would just unlock it willy nilly, right? So yeah, or they would never I, lock I, it; they would I, just yeah. leave it unlocked. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I don't even we're not even really here to to, to argue what those real solutions would be. But uh, yeah, but, just just to close it out, to say that. Um, that this show was showing the police favorably, I think is, uh, you couldn't have watched this and actually say that. It's just, it's just somebody who has no understanding of, of, of storytelling. If they, if they, if they actually watched this and thought that, like, I, I just don't, you know, I can't fathom how you could take that away from this, but you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, but so yeah, so long winded way of saying, you know, this, this black cop pulls over this guy, he's talking to him, seems fairly amicable. Um, but he asked him for his license and registration and this guy being a dumb fucking uh, white supremacist keeps his Rorschach mask in his glove box because, you know, the best place to keep evidence that you're a fucking terrorist is directly in your glove box where you're going to have to reach for your license and registration if you're ever pulled over. Um, so he reaches for it and gives it to the guy and the guy goes back to his car and acts like he's calling it in to check the plate. And of course he's fucking panicking because he saw the Rorschach mask and he's like, unlock my gun, unlock my gun. I got to, you know, and as he's waiting, uh, the guy just fucking riddles him with, with machine gun fire uh, and uh, throws a, a piece of lettuce at him, which I'm not really quite sure of the meaning of, but I'm well, sure, I'm sure. He, it he asked him what meaning. was in the, what was in the back of the truck? Cause it was covered. Oh, he says, le- he lettuce says or, heads of lettuce, right? Cause you yeah. know, it looks like a farner. And, you know, so just to sort of prove that he did have lettuce, he chucks one <laughs> through the through the hole the window. Now, we don't know if that's all he had, because clearly well, if no, he's so later we find bullshit, out. he could. What's that? Well, I think I think it's heavily implied that he was carrying a lot of those watches that they were taking the batteries mm, out gotcha. of later. You know, so gotcha, it, gotcha. it's implied. It's not directly stated, but. So he did have um, some lettuce, but we, we were pretty sure he was up to some bullshit, too. So it's kind yeah. of a. Little bit of a fuck you to the police that like, oh yeah, yeah I really he, did have lettuce. He had he had contra fucking band as uh as, oh, yeah. as, uh, he, had, Jack he had a reason to, 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 to kill the cop other than just not liking the cops because he was definitely hiding something. Yeah. So um, you know, he gets shot up uh and uh apparently doesn't die, which is amazing when you watch that scene because you're like he looked like he was fucking riddled with machine gun fire but no, he still got a it clearly would have had a bulletproof vest on but still like if you get hit i, I thought he got violence. shot in the face but maybe not you know it, it was hard to tell in that because he got shot right in the windshield like it's amazing that you wouldn't have gotten I don't shot think in the bulletproof head. if they're if they're that worried about fucking uh yeah clansmen killing them after this white knight event that they referenced like why wouldn't you have bulletproof glass Eh, budget i don't know <laughs> but um uh so you know that they they we then see uh the i'm not sure if he's the chief of police or the sheriff uh he's sheriff, sheriff. Uh, don, sheriff don johnson uh is at, <laughs> is, at is at the miami uh, vice, well i see tulsa vice tulsa vice yeah, tulsa, yeah. Tulsa vice uh sheriff don johnson uh, who, whose name is Judd, by the way, in the series, Judd Crawford is uh, at a uh, production of Oklahoma, like an all black production of Oklahoma. Uh, not looking like he's enjoying himself, by the way, which is <laughs> maybe relevant for later on in the episode. Uh, mm. And he gets called out and, you know, gets called out of the, the play and, and they tell him about the officer. So he goes, <clears throat> uh, I guess he goes to see them. So you know, he, he, he goes back to headquarters and they, they call like an all staff kind of meeting. Uh, and we are introduced, you know, in the next scene to 
uh, Angela, uh, who is at, uh, she went to her son's school to like give a, like a baking demo. I guess it's like bring your parent to work day or something. And she's like baking for the kids. Um, and of course it, that scene is like riddled with Easter eggs and riddled with thematic, you know, uh, significance in, in the whole demonstration of the eggs and separating the yolks from the egg whites and all, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but real quick, uh, did you notice, um, when there's the shot looking up through the, uh, the smiley face with the little, yeah, little, the little speck of blood. blood <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, that was there's so many, touch. there's so many little like, yeah, references to, to the, the comedian's button from uh, Watchmen. Um, which are just, you know, nods to the series, but it, it's just nice, you know, to catch stuff like that. So, um, you know, while they're in, in, uh, in there, uh, cause she's a, she owns a bakery or, you know, <laughs> claims she owns a bakery, although it hasn't opened in five years, it seems to be her cover. Uh, it's the, um, one of the kids says, uh, oh, what'd you pay for that through, uh, Redford Asians? Which I it, it took me a while, but once you realize that Robert Redford is the president in this universe, uh, like yes, the actor Robert Redford Nations <laughs> is the is you know the racist yeah. reference to actual uh, reparations, which yeah. clearly this redheaded stepchild with his arms folded uh, has picked up from his racist parents, right? Uh, yeah. and our, our main character's uh, daughter uh, jumps over her desk to beat Long the shit. <laughs> uh the it but yeah it's it's it, it's actually her son it, it, so the her whole family situation is very interesting because she has uh white kids but she's married to a black guy but it's never really explained i assume it's from like a previous marriage or maybe they're adopted but that's there's a lot of sh- the, what i actually really like about this series is despite the fact that there's a 30 plus year gap between the events of the comic and the events of the series, it does zero handholding. It just fucking throws you right in. And it's just like, you know what? You'll, you'll pick, you'll figure it out. We're not going to, we're not going to be a lesser show and walk you through everything that we're doing. And yeah. be really hacky expository dialogue. I mean, you'll a little bit of it was expository, out. but you had to under, you had to process so many things really quickly that yeah. it didn't feel like expository. Cause like yeah. literally you're, you're seeing this out of focus poster of uh you know the presidents it goes right from nixon to robert redford <laughs> and they they say redford you know redfordations and you're just like what is that but you can tell yeah. by the 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 attitudes expressed by that term what it must mean yeah right exactly. and 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 she you know she's telling her history or, or talking about herself to these kids but it tells us the history of what's happened in the last you know 35 years that has in been clever life. Ways, yeah yeah, no, yeah, it does a, sure. a great job of of, of um, avoiding the trappings of subtle exposition for sure. Um, and and by the way, for people wondering why Robert Redford is the president, uh, Richard Nixon served for uh, thirty years as president because uh, you know he, what he did was he had Doctor Manhattan help him win the Vietnam War. So Watergate never happened. He never had to break into his uh, his opponent's office. His popularity was so high because he ended the Vietnam War people thought uh that he managed to stay in office for 30 years so then when he finally was removed from office or when he finally resigned or died it's unclear you know in in between uh the events of the series and and or the events of the comic and the events of the series robert redford ran for president and and won has and has been serving as president since the 90s so he's been president for like 30 years um and and it's and he's created just a kind of neoliberal utopia in, in you know for what p- 
people like that would think but when we watch it it's like this is pretty fucking dystopian like you know (laughs) you know the police state is fucking run amok their surveillance state is you know severely active despite the fact that there's no internet in this universe uh there's no internet and there's no um mass communications of that nature i mean people still carry so what was pagers. what was the reasoning for that it, 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 like some of that had to do with ozymandias uh and the things that he had done it, it yes and and i think there was a big aversion to technology post dr manhattan because it, it's way more um heavily uh, touched upon in the comics how fearful people were of technology because everyone thought that dr manhattan was giving people cancer like that was what osmandius is like part of his machiavellian plan was to 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 turn people off to dr manhattan so thoroughly and dr manhattan invented all this amazing technology in the 60s like he invented in the universe of watchmen he invented electric cars in the 60s and he created all these they 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 call it the uh manhattan battery like or or or, you know the i think that's what they called it but they did but they you know the manhattan like uh synthetic battery that Mm -hmm. was powering all those watches and they were like oh well they stopped making those because they cause cancer they didn't really cause cancer they were really these super long lasting you know probably uh, you know eternally clean energy uh you know batteries that worked for you know variety of objects from cars all the way down to watches but people were so afraid of him that they stopped using him. So I think a good, I, I think it seems like the implication is that society became a lot more uh, Luddite in the wake of Dr. Manhattan's right. like departure. So like that's, so the internet was never invented because the internet really was only kind of really popularized in the in, in the eighties. And then, well, you know, and, and, and now we're at the point the where we're so dependent or accustomed to the, to smartphones, which is something they don't have in this world that, you know, we want faster and faster uh, service, right? And now we've got these 5G cell phone towers that people are now uh, afraid of living next to because they emit such like high levels of, of radio radiation, which, you know, radio is... A, is I have a no idea what it really... Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, if you if you lived right in front of one of those emitters, then yeah, but that's why they're up on an antenna. So it's not yeah. blasting radiation directly at you. Right. That, that's why we put things on antennas in the first place. And, you know, I mean, if anything, the people that work on those towers are probably being exposed to a much higher level of radi- radiation because um, sure. they're right next to them. They do it all the time. But I mean, for, for regular people like there's there's, you know, the with all things radiation, it's it's the proximity and the, uh, you know, uh, rate of exposure, which you're not going to have as long as it's up on a tower. Yeah, and actually, it's this kind of brilliant uh, extrapolation of of the Watchmen universe to to say like, hey, it's 2019, we have no cell phones. Like the most extensive technology we have are like pagers, because it creates one of the biggest uh, blows to fiction was when the cell phone was was invented and then popularized because it it destroyed the plot of so many stories. Like it's so hard to figure out a way to take people out of communication with each other in 2019. Oh, like yeah. it used to be super just, easy. Like, you right. know, so, so many chasings were like, Oh, we've got to get to the place to let them know the thing before yeah, exactly. the thing happens. You know, it's like, and, oh, no, I will call them <laughs> and, <laughs> movie yeah. over. Like, you know. yep. yep. Movie's all done. 
Hey, Governor, so a lot uh, of it turns out the guy you're about to excuse is, is innocent. Uh, oh, okay. It's done. We have but, to get to the courthouse. Qu- yeah. Oh, the power is out. So we got to have a car chase up to the top of the mountain where the fucking fucking, which is like literally the, 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 the plot of a fucking Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a plot of a billion action, but yeah, so exactly. So it's, it's a very interesting, uh, wrinkle to add into this, into a 2019 world where they have electric cars, but they don't have cell phones. So, um, in, in any event though. So, uh, you know, we, we get that scene with Angela and then the kid, you know, kicks the shit out of the little redhead kid and we see her in the car with uh her son afterwards and they're you know they're talking about it and all of a sudden you hear like a warning siren and uh small octopus uh start to rain down and and it's you know it's treated as like a as like a common nuisance that 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 all of a sudden these interdimensional octopuses octopi um yeah, they were little squids and octopus, but yeah, they're they're pretty close. They're um, squids. Uh, yeah, I, I got I got um, some great uh, magnolia callback feelings, you know, from the the, the frogs rain from the sky scene yeah, yeah. in that. Uh, Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson being one of my favorite writer, well, if so, not the my favorite writer director. So now the interesting th- question is, where are those squids coming from? Because the giant squid initially was a hoax by by osmandius he created that but he did create like a real squid but it wasn't actually sure. an interdimensional it was he created it to bring the world together and united around a common enemy so now the question is is on the osmandius orchestrating the, these uh, you know sporadic drops um just to remind people uh is there's a, several possibilities number one is that number two is that the government is in on this even though they weren't in on it back then and they're using it to just keep the populace, you know, thinking that, that we're still occasionally being breached by this other dimension where these squids live. Um, and it's become a minor nuisance because it's just little ones. It's not the giant one that terrorized the city and killed millions of people. Mm. Now, the third option is theoretically the only person powerful enough to really affect matter and affect weather like that is Dr. Manhattan. So like it's possible that Dr. Manhattan is helping keep this ruse up, but you know, supposedly he's just sitting around on Mars building this plan that Ozymandias had once he learned about it. He, he did. So, so yes, but now it's weird because he, at the end of Watchmen says like, I'm going to go start life in another galaxy. I'm going to get the fuck away from you people. I'm going to go to a totally different galaxy. So like theoretically he left the galaxy and like left the Milky way and went to start life on a new a planet anew. Cause he just had, he couldn't be amongst humanity anymore. It was so, you know, just repulsive to him. So very you know, Daniel plain view. Yeah. A lot of people think that the, and, and it makes sense because you know, that obviously the whole squid thing was a false flag. People think that the 24 hour live feed of Dr. Manhattan, just chilling on Mars, like making sandcastles, is a hoax it's not he's not actually there and that he actually did leave um or a lot of people even think that he might be osmandius like osmandius uh, that adrian Vite might may be dead and he might be actually just assuming his identity and he's actually still running things and he might like for, there's a lot of theories about what's actually going on there but i think we're certainly going to see dr manhattan in this series like he's the 800 pound you know squid in the room that we're that we're going to eventually uh see again um 
and I, you know, I, I can't wait. So and, and, uh, to that point also, you know, the series is not focused on the original Watchmen, you know, uh, uh, from, from the comic and from the movie that people would know, but most of them are still around. Like Manhattan's still alive. Osmandius we see, uh, presumably that's him. Um, we don't know the whereabouts of Silk Spectre. Night Owl, actually, it's mentioned in the... There's a website called The PD Files, I think, it, it, it's, which I don't know if that's like a play on words or whatever, but um, it's... Uh, and, and it has like all like... It's basically like classified dossiers, but it's on HBO's website. It's like a Watchmen, you know, like... Uh, what do they call that? Like AR or whatever, like, you know, where it's like extra content. Um, and they talk about how Night Owl's in custody. Like the Night Owl 2, who's Daniel, um, I forget his last name, is in custody currently. So he's still around in, in this universe. So that's that's you know an interesting thread that could come up also. But um the uh so but 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 to, to this point of the squid thing, nobody actually knows like you know, we don't actually know what the fuck is causing it. People just assume it's real and it's like, you know, bleed over from that other dimension. But we know that that's probably not the case unless Osmandius accidentally did find a rip in another dimension. And, you know, as a result of his fucking around. But, um, you know, so that's an interesting question as to what's going on there. So, you know, from there, um, the commissioner or sheriff, Don Johnson uh, calls the uh, meeting of, of all the cops. And, you know, we see them all in, in a very, you know, uh, serious looking uh, facility when they're and they're all like they're masked up with their yellow masks looking really. I didn't quite understand that why they are all in mask if it's just cops there, you know, because that that's like their whole you, you get the sense that like they don't necessarily all trust each other. Either. Well, that's the other thing is important is that I think we'll find out by the end of the series. And this is, again, another knock to the people that say, oh, it's like, you know, all that blue lives matter, the TV series. I bet you half of these people are fucking seventh kingdom people or seventh Calvary. I keep saying kingdom, seventh Calvary people. Yeah. Well, and, um, and that's the big question with with Don Johnson's character, who is very much made out to be a bad guy in the trailer. But then in this episode, he's, he's seemingly a good guy. Um, yeah. And, and you see this repeatedly where he seems to identify with black people, black officers uh, as being. Um, he would have voted know. for Obama for a third term, like, I'm sure, <laughs> right. you know, like but um, then, but- you know, at the same time, we, we do open on this this, uh, you know, 1920s silent film where the the sheriff that everyone thought was good was actually the bad guy, the, the scoundrel who was stealing your cattle. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, and also the fact that, you know, he's he's we find out that, um, you know, he knows some of the songs from Oklahoma because when he was much younger, if not in high school, uh, he was in the the play, the production. His name is Judd and the villain in Oklahoma is also named Judd. Right. Yeah. And that which is not an accident. Like <laughs> David no. Lindelof, not <laughs> subtle with his naming and, and all the way back to Lost. You think of Desmond Hume, John Locke, you know, like there's not there's not a lot of, uh, you know, s- the subtlety there. So, um, yeah. So in the scene, um, you know, they 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 f- watch this video that was sent or recovered or whatever. 
from uh, the Seventh Cavalry. I said it right this time. The Seventh Cal. You know well why? Done. It's because they spell it with a K. So my mind keeps saying like, "Well, Cavalry is not spelled with a K. Kingdom's obviously spelled with." Well, a K. if I mispronounce Roy Shark and you keep saying Rorschach, yes, Kingdom, we'll, we'll get it right. Cavalry. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna flip flop. I'm gonna start saying Roy Shark, and you're gonna start saying Kingdom. Is what's gonna happen? Hey, it's my buddy Roy Shark of Roy Shark <laughs> Automotive Used Cars. Yeah. God. Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> but so they recover, they get this video um, and it's and it's really a fucking well, you know, a very well shot uh, video for for a bunch of white supremacists and their fucking, you know, yeah. in their garage. Well, they, they learn from like, ISIS. Nice, nice pull out, you know, like uh, the pan out shot. But um, yeah. it's super chilling. Like the what you know, they they obviously take uh, the words from Rorschach's diary and. I wouldn't say twist them because obviously we we talked about how Rorschach had fascist tendencies, although he was never really explicitly racist in the comic. He was more of like homophobic and fascist and like, you know, I, he, that's kind of like, they, they've kind of extrapolated his kind of nihilistic, you know, d- beliefs into their own racism and taken on his mask as a kind of persona. So, you know, they they kind of use his his words as part of their manifesto. Uh, and then they have that really fucking chilling, like that TikTok thing that they start doing at the end, mm. uh, which which I thought was just really effective, you know, sound design. And like it, it, it really it, it really creeped me out. While I was watching. I was like, Jesus Christ, like these fucking guys. Sure. Um, well, especially because it but, seems like they're they're building uh, some kind of bomb out of so, all these little watch batteries. Exactly. So they don't, you know, show it in that video to the cops, but they allude like something big is coming. And we also, you know, as we know, they are, you know, recording these these Manhattan batteries, which are outlawed, but they're, you know, still obviously probably thousands of them in circulation. And uh, we don't know what they're going to try to use it for, but it's obviously technology that we don't quite understand because it's Dr. Manhattan created it. Um <clears throat> So, um, you know, after that meeting, you know, we, we kind of, uh, we get the, we get the scene where Angela, uh, as what's her name? Sister, sister night, Midnight? sister night. Okay. So sister night, she, um, it, it's, it's kind of unclear cause this happens pretty quick, but she kind of like suspects this guy of being a, a white supremacist and she picks him up uh and brings him back for questioning so they put him in uh in this pod which is like this interrogation pod and um they send in uh this cop slash vigilante who is we we find out is is goes by looking glass which is tim blake nelson's character um and so good this- anytime tim blake nelson I, yeah, yeah he's, he's always... a fucking great actor and super cool uh the, the design too costume design i love that fucking mask like it's just such an incredible you know yeah it, it's because scary. it reflects back it's very yeah. it's very scary and like that you know. that uh the pod scene you know you think it's some kind of machine that's like scanning this guy's mind um and then you realize it's not at all. It's just Tim Blake Nelson who can clearly see through this this opaque silver mask somehow. He's the one who's actually doing all the analysis of this guy's you know facial twitches and everything. It's not a yeah. machine at all. 
Yeah, and it, and it's just, and it actually is super reminiscent of for for Lost fans. There's the scene in I think it was like season two or three where, um, where we we're in the other's compound and <clears throat> uh, Jack has to break out uh, uh, this uh, Ben's like uh, daughter's boyfriend who's like being held there for like reeducation, and they have him in a room where they're just flashing all these images on screen rapid fire, and it's a very similar um vibe to it where sorry i did which you know another lindelof show so i think he kind of borrowed from that but it, it's very uh you know we see all these images flash behind him where they're trying to just trigger this guy because they know they think or they know he's a white supremacist so they're trying to trigger him with all these images of you know they flash up like hitler and like then they flash up uh moon landing Bedford and moon landing and <laughs> yeah mount rushmore with richard nixon's face on it and like all this shit yeah, it's interesting um, it, it's really it's like um almost the opposite of a lie detector test where with a lie detector test you have like a baseline where you ask questions you already know the answer to to see how they react. And then you ask questions that uh, they're going to be nervous about answering to see how their reaction varies. Mm-hmm. Whereas th- with this, uh, he knows he's not going to get a reaction from saying, have you now or ever been associated with uh, seventh cavalry? He knows he's never, he's not going to react to that, but he is going to react to things like, uh, you know, all these other um, right wing, uh, high emotional reaction type questions, right? Which he does. <laughs> And he says yeah, exactly. he's like miles off the chart as far as the reaction to that. And that's how they know he's full of shit. So and one of the interesting things is that people some people have posited that the form of reparations or redfordations that is carried out in the show is that it's not necessarily a cash payout as we would think of reparations. But it's that uh, black people and, you know, however, this ends up working out in, in Redford's policies uh, maybe just descendants of slaves um, w- don't pay taxes. It's not that they're given a payout, but they just aren't, they don't pay federal taxes because he actually right. asked one of the questions is, was, uh, do you believe that every American should pay federal taxes? Now, a lot of people took that to mean like, Oh, well he's they probably just asking cause he's a right wing militia guy. But then other people posit that that's actually the form that, that reparations ah. or red predations actually takes, which is interesting. Sure. Or because well, um, when the kid when she mentions that she opened up the you know this this tea shop, shop yeah. uh, which we see later on is I love the pun of it because she's born in Vietnam and it's called you know instead of tea and honey it's tea in Hanoi, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, it's it's sort of implied that she got some kind of uh, special loan for that that the you know the, the kids like and um, yeah you know p- pisses off everybody that he refers to it as though it's some kind of like affirmative action type form of loan. Right, the, rather the than just actual reparations for the the fucking heinous right. atrocities inflicted on black people that have caused them to you know fall economically behind since the inception of the country, but that's you know, but um, so, uh, oh, but but by the way, just two interesting things that you reminded me of when you mentioned that. So she mentioned she was born in Vietnam before it became the fifty first state, which is something we I think we actually do learn in the original. Watchmen comic is that it becomes the 51st state after we win the Vietnam War. Um, but they show at one point there's a flag shown and there's like a hundred stars on it. Like, so right. it's not, so we've, we've since added so many states. We've added a bunch more uh, states of countries we've assumingly gone to war with and then taken Which over. Which is, again, yeah, just a, a, another funny nod at like how, you yeah. know, at American imperialism is, I'm sure we've annexed Venezuela. We've probably annexed all of South America. We, you know, uh, all the countries that we've we've been at, at 
conflict with. So, uh, but then when you when they show the uh, the compound where the the uh, Nixon Cavalry, yeah. yeah, the trailer park, the trailer park that the trailer park goes to uh to to bust some heads uh, to grab this guy who's a suspect yes he, he has an old school flag like with 50 or only, 51 stars only 50 yeah so almost like the the our current u.s flag is the new confederate flag <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's a funny notion um yeah so uh so but so they bring this guy and you know he says like he's definitely lying uh so then we see and this is a scene that kind of I was questioning why they did it this way. And I wonder if it's just to keep our image of sister Knight as a heroic character, which, you know, she brings this guy in a room and she it's implied heavily that she tortures him. She beats the shit out of him until he gives up the location of, um, you see like uh, a river of blood flowing under the yeah, door, which is pretty clear. weird. <laughs> yeah. She's beating the shit out of him. The rest of them are fine with it, but then it's kind of like, you know, they're, you know, um, they think he's a suspect, but they're also like, well, if they, you know, if, if they were like, why aren't they doing it? Like there's, there's a little bit of like racial catharsis there where they're kind of like, well, she's, she's the, you know, black woman or black woman who has more rights to hate this guy than we do. So we're let, you know, it's, it's kind of like you still, you, you, you continually see little signs with Don Johnson's sheriff character that make you think he is very sympathetic towards black people right even though he was seemed to be uncomfortable with the play outwardly you know, the, like the, he, the, he projects the black intentionally right. it, it, it feels very you know in times performative and you that you keep yes. questioning like where his loyalty really is there's there's so yeah. many little cues that make you go well, is he or is he not like what what is so it? yeah so they beat this you know so again this they're not the heroes of the show either i mean they're you know they're they're doing fascist shit too um you know just because the show focuses on a i mean the comic focused on rorschach that didn't make rorschach a hero like rorschach was a fucking fascist in that series it you know we could even be introduced to characters later on who are more strictly heroic than either of these two factions you know they're still People like Night Owl kicking around who really didn't do much wrong at all, like in the in the original comic. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying, like, Scout. yeah, yeah, um, who couldn't even get his dick up, like for the Silk Spectre, um, which is heavily explored in the comics. It's not as heavily explored in the in the, in, but he's yeah, he's impotent in the comics. So, um, but um, so uh, you know, so they torch this information and find out that the Seventh Cavalry is holed up at this a uh, cattle ranch so they kind of prepare the, to mount like this raid um of them uh and so they go there and i mean d- it, d- d- just just real quick uh, the fact yeah, yeah. that tim blake nelson was was in you know in this this episode or this scene and you saw all those cows you knew those cows were all getting shot to death, right? <laughs> like, like pure, pure throwback to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> Not the livestock. Not the livestock. Yeah. <laughs> but man, um, I mean, when, yeah, I mean, they clearly go in there, proximity alarm goes off, lights go on, they all grab their little suicide tabs and uh, unfurl this uh, 50 caliber fucking, you know, just mounted on the back of a pickup truck and. Un- unbelievable scene it's <laughs> such a incredible it sounds like the fucking middle of like d-day like it's such a oh it's incredibly it's designed in, scene in, 
and in the carcass of the cow that uh, Sister Knight's hiding behind, getting continually smaller and smaller as it's being riddled with these fucking, you know, bullets that'll take out a, a, a chunk of flesh the size of a cantaloupe with each round. You know, you're just, you're yeah. like, <laughs> this is. It reminded you know, me. Of the scene at the end of Django, where like where after he goes back to the uh, yeah. to the mansion and like he's just hiding behind corpses that are just being riddled with like you know flying <laughs> flying rounds, it just had a similar feel to it. But uh, I, I, I it was incredibly shot. Like for somebody who has not shot a ton of action in his in his directorial career, I, I can't believe how well they pulled this shit off. Like, yeah, I mean um, the continuity. You've got like fifty some uh, CGI cows, which all looked amazing. I was, I was like, I can't tell if those are real cows or not. But there's no possible. I bet some way. of them were like prop cows, you know, like like physical oh, prop. Yeah, for, like, but when they, once they all start running in different directions. There's no yeah. way that that's a bunch like actual cattle. You can't control them. No, that yeah, that's not. I bet the 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 ones that they were hiding behind that were exploding were probably real props with like squibs in them. You know. Oh yeah, you know yeah sure. But I mean like when they're when they're running around. You oh know, yeah, no, that around, was crazy. Uh, I I was like that 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 we don't <laughs> we don't ever need to use an animal in a movie ever again. As good as CGI has gotten, honestly. Yeah yeah no for sure. Um, yeah, I mean that entire sequence, just 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 the whole uh, like once once we realized that uh, you know like the little the 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 bug eyed uh, uh, aerial um, hovering pod thing from the original Watchmen has been sort of like that design is now uh, universal for police aircraft well, so now. It's actually ironically, it, it's unclear whether or not that is actually Archie the airship, which is, I, I believe that was the name of. of night owls like a little airship that actually might be the airship that he had or it's possible that because he's in custody now the police have like duplicated that technology and and just created a bunch of those like i mean if there's only one of them why in the world would would the tulsa police have the only one i I took that to be like the the design has just become universal because it was a good design I actually think it'd be an interest. It's probably similar to like why police departments in, in our 2019 have fucking tanks and shit because we signed off on oh, Bush and then Obama signed off on these bills that allow them to buy surplus military grade equipment. But, so it's yeah, possible. I mean, that's, that's you know, what I, but that's what I uh, thought it would be too. Yeah. Something um, like that. Um, but so, yeah, so Don Johnson uh, is, uh, you know, in, in this craft and he's, like trying to desperately trying to take down this this prop plane that they're getting away in that a bunch of these yeah it's it's supposed to be this great high like like good tech but it can't outrun a fucking Cessna <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> a little <laughs> it's like, like, you right. can't push it that far come on like, <laughs> it's like, it's like gotta Christ, get with like flamethrower distance hundred, like, hundred feet off the ground my god guys like come on um but yeah so it got within flamethrower distance and and blasted it uh but because it was, you know, whatever, it crashed because uh, it went too high or whatever. Uh, but Don Johnson somehow, oh, fine, just scratches from from crashing violently, yeah. from, you know, 100 feet in the air. Well, um, and that was, I mean, the moment when they crash um, and then Regina King's like trying to kick out the window and then the, the escape hatch blows and they jump out. The first thing Don Johnson's character, the sheriff, says is, are you OK? And there's like genuine concern and empathy in his voice which makes you really think that like, okay, he's a good guy. He really is a good guy. Cause his, his first thought is concerned for, for, you know, his they do partners. a lot to make you think right. he's a good guy. Yes. And, so, and they just, they just, they, they then have this, this moment of hysterical laughter at like, 
just how fucking crazy and violent this, you know, what just happened was. And they all somehow yeah. made it out without a scratch. Like they're aware of that, you know, like we're very much in a real world where these are, they don't see themselves as superheroes. They're like, Oh shit, we almost all fucking died. <laughs> right. Well, oh, and that's uh, one other thing I wanted to mention real quick that you just reminded me of is one, another big difference between the Snyder movie and the actual source material, which, which this series is based on. Nobody in the original series was a superhero other than Manhattan. Like nobody had any powers. They're all just humans who, you know, maybe mm-hmm. were in really good shape, peak physical form. But, you know, in the movie, you know, people like Osmandius is like, it seems to almost have like superhuman reflexes, you know, ditto for night owl right. and all these other people. Oh, when, in they, the comics, when they raid they were the prison, people. they're just like pit, 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 dead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, like nobody can touch them when they, um, go on the date and they go to like the, there's like the back alley gang that tries to, yeah. And they, them. they like, go and they're just find, like, like ripping their arms and legs <laughs> off with, with no problem. So in the comics, that's not really the case. They are just people fighting. Like, so that's why it's interesting right. that the series is following that because none of these people are, including Regina King, who is a fucking badass in this show, but it, she's just a normal fighter. Like she doesn't have superpowers. So it's an interesting, sure. um, j- just dichotomy that you reminded me of. But so, yeah, so they get out of, you know, he gets out of the crash seems to be okay. Um, and you know, so we, after that get a scene of uh uh i don't know if it was angela's house or whose house it was but they're all kind of yeah they're all having having dinner together yeah and it's it's like um you know he's he's talking about how he was in don johnson's character the sheriff judd uh was in oklahoma and he starts to sing and it's like you can see how (laughs) it's this nice family moment and if he see like he seems very racially cool he's fucking like he's fine with you know, the kids and, you know, her husband and everybody. And, you know, you really feel like, wow, this was, he really is a good guy. He is a, a decent human being uh, after all. Yeah. So uh, even though he literally did, did a line of Coke right before, like in front of everybody and then like, went, went to- <laughs> but it's, I mean, the, even that kind of serves to his humanity where two different people notice it and are okay with it. They're like, Hey, <laughs> it was just such a funny, there, you know. yeah. Such a but funny, like, <laughs> sort of like the, the opposite of the, the Miami Vice version of the character. Yeah, right. But um, it all serves to, like, just, like, set up that you're you're supposed to like him, right? It, at least in that moment, you're supposed to like him. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, uh, so, you know, that they, they have a nice, you know, dinner together. It's, it's you know, really, it gets you to sympathize with a lot of these characters. Um, and uh you know not long after that we get the scene where he gets the phone call that uh i guess the officer who was shot is recovering and he he's gonna go see him right so like mm-hmm. he he starts putting on his full uniform um and you know there's another question as to why he's the only member of the police force who not only doesn't wear a mask but like goes out in public dressed as a cop like it seems to be like yeah, they reference a that we- a couple times where he says, I'm going to put on my uniform, you know, to, to go do a thing like that's he's like, is my uniform here? Like th- there's a there's a significance to that. That's that's sort of unexplained, but you're supposed to notice yeah. it. And I think they the implication initially is that they want you to think like, oh, he's brave and he cares about the police force and he cares about his comrades and et cetera, et cetera. But I think the more significant implication is that mm, there's something more going on here where he needs to be the public face of this. So that 
uh, if something were to happen to him, it may set off a chain of events that could cause, you know, maybe another fucking uh, war that that would uh, tear the country apart and, and hmm. you know, further. So, uh, you know, and, and you know, we, we get a scene of uh, it didn't not that we'll, and we'll jump back to that because that's the end of the episode ends with them. But, you know, we get a little interlude with uh osmandius at his undisclosed location at his castle (laughs) his castle that he fucking lives on with his you know horses and you know um so he this is just an interesting scene that seems really unimportant until you really read into the details of the scene so like it's it's on its surface what it is is osmandius is riding his horse he goes inside he gets served a cake by his servants, and that's all we see, basically. But well, he gets the nude massage from one of his servants too. Yeah. Yes, he, he gets the rub down after his ride, I mean, which was I, interesting. I didn't pick up on this while watching it, but I read that apparently his two servants, the the woman so, and the man, are, are he, robots. Well, so he is in. So here's the thing: there's there's brief mentions in like news clip, like you know, little quick expository things that he's presumed dead. In, in the real world right like everyone thinks he's dead because he's been missing f- presumably for years you know to be declared dead um so he's in exile or in hiding after he thinks he successfully saved the world from you know nuclear extinction which was what you know the whole the whole plot of watchman was about um but again he's a machiavellian narcissist like he, he, you know super egomaniac um which is why he did what he did in, in the comics so he he thinks he's like a god basically um so but in any event he's a, a master technologist and, and um uh, biologist so it's very possible that these two people working for him are not actual humans but replicants or robots or some some form of artificial intelligence or you know artificial biological intelligence um and the kind of subtle clue to that and and i I think a lot of people didn't pick it up initially but and it didn't even occur to me until i really thought about it but the guy the mail servant gives him uh brings him this cake that they baked him for an anniversary which we never learn what it is but um just as a also a funny side note it's not the anniversary of the uh squid attacks because that happens in november and we are led to believe that all this is taking place in september uh in the series in the first episode so it's unclear what it's an actual anniversary of but so they bring him this cake and the the male servant gives him a horseshoe to cut it with and he kind of looks at him like like almost like you would look at your child and be like, no, that's not how you do it. Like it, it's, it, you know, I'll just, I'll just use my fork. Don't worry. Yeah, about I, it. I didn't quite get that either. I was like, is that like a weird British horse riding <laughs> tradition? Like we have the, the upside down horseshoe for good luck, which like maybe but I don't think that was what the fuck that yeah. means, but we do, but they have that like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but um, I think it was almost like a little bit of like a robot kind of failing the Turing test, like where it was like, oh, well, he almost he's almost there, but he's not quite there. You know, like he still right. doesn't quite understand how human objects were like. Um, so that's what struck me in that scene. But I think that it's really significant that we sh- they showed him because I really do think that the events of the end of this episode are um, more of an orchestration than they would appear to be. Sure. So, yeah, and you know he's the 
fucking orchestrator in chief uh that we know you know and and the fact that he's on the series is not an accident like he's not just gonna you know we're not gonna get 10 episodes of jeremy irons riding horseback and then getting rub downs while he writes his play like that's not what's gonna happen right right so oh and by the way is yeah yeah god was when um when don johnson's uh sheriff judd uh leaves you know his wife is very concerned that he's going out by himself and he says oh don't worry i'll have one of these you know one of these officers will go with me oh wait and- wait before we get to that though with the irons thing just to close that out because that's the you know kind of last scene he mentions to them that he's writing a play <clears throat> called the watchmaker's son i think is what it's called um which people astute fans of the comic know was dr manhattan because his you know john um anders i forget his fucking last name in the in the comic but uh he, his father was a watchmaker and which is why he was working on watch batteries and watch gears when he accidentally turned himself into Dr. Manhattan through some, you know, crazy experimentation, you know, yada, yada science. Um, and so the fact that he's writing this play and still talking about, it really is just, it, I'm sure it, it doesn't make quite make sense, but it's clearly going to make sense by the end of this season. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Course, right. It's going to be like, that's going to be the thesis for the entire season. Like that. Well, that in the show, he said that he was going to answer almost all these questions by the end of the season. Right. So it's, it's not yeah. like they're going to, you know, um, go on forever without mm. bothering the end. But, you know, when Don Johnson's character, Sheriff Judd leaves and says, Oh, I'm going to take some of these officers with me. Protection. Like an escort, basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see there's at least three officers there, uh, just hanging out that he could have taken, and he doesn't. He goes by himself now. If Red he understands one. The, right, so if he understands the risk, which we're led to believe, because when he, you know, when he's talking to uh, Regina's character, she's like, "Aren't you worried?" And he's like, "I'm worried as fuck." Yeah. Is he though? No, or I don't think does he, is. He, does he think that he is actually not in any danger of the cavalry because he's actually part of the cavalry, but who in fact actually comes to uh, take him out is not at all who we expected to see. Yep. And to that point, when he runs over the spike strip, he seems utterly unconcerned. Like if you you were a police chief and you ran over a spike strip, you're like, oh, I'm being ambushed. Like I'm, they're going to kill me right now. But he had a very docile re- – I don't know if you caught that. He had a very docile reaction to when he got out of his car and looked and saw the spike strip. Yeah. He seemed – it was almost like a, oh, this was Confusion. meant for somebody else kind of an accident exactly. type thing. Yeah. But when those lights come on, that's when he's like, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. He's like, whoa, that's not my guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So that, I, I think that, that was really – and by the way, another just indicator as he was driving away, he was listening to like far-right radio. He was listening to a right-wing radio talk show guy. Oh, yeah. No, I, um, I did notice that. Yeah. Which doesn't jive with his like I, I love black people, uh, you know, outward persona. Like he, pro- he, proje- he projects himself as like a, you know, a classic, uh, <laughs> classic liberal, I guess it w- would be the phrase you'd use not to yeah. steal Dave Rubin's thunder. But um so yeah so i really think that there was a lot there and then you know we obviously uh cut to a scene of uh, regina king just you know going at it with with her husband (laughs) Um, and uh they get a phone call and it's like an unknown guy who's like hey you know go to this tree or whatever you know come don't wear your mask um so regina king goes but we after she grabs her fucking uh like 
the shotgun on demand yeah. shotgun like <laughs> headboard shotgun which was such a oh, cool <laughs> that was so badass that i tell people because she she grabs that gun and then grabs another grabs a handgun gives it to her husband and she says uh another great line uh she's like if anyone comes if anyone shows up here uh and and walks towards the house shoot them before not they get me. to the porch yeah yeah shoot, and, and he's just like okay fire. i saw people tweet out they were like if regina king gave me a gun and told me to kill anyone i'd do it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that i'm a sucker for any kind of like hidden like weapon in furniture like that's such a cool that's always like a go-to cool move in an action movie you know like yeah. where you like tap the desk and a gun f- pops out like um so yeah so she goes and and you know she is confronted by lou gossett jr who is a character by the name of will reeves who is we suppose is the child from the uh opening scene in tulsa uh and he is sitting there next to uh don johnson who is hanging from a tree like a like a victim of a lynching uh, and that's where we end the episode so it's you know there's a, a lot of mysteries there uh yeah, it's, you know, it's ambiguous, what, and it's it's almost like they've subverted expectation or the the dialectic they've set up at the very beginning for a third time, right? Because if, if we're you know as we understand, this is the same kid that watched the uh, you know the black marshal um, you know lasso and take down the corrupt sheriff, who then says, "No, I'm not going to let mob justice rule. We're going to you know we're going to be lawfully good." Who then sees immediately after watching that silent film sees real mob rule to then somehow at the end of his life want to hang this guy who we don't even know if he knows why yeah they haven't explained that or if someone put him up to it or 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 what that somehow his his sense of what is lawful good or unlawful evil or what is um what is justice lawful justice mob justice whatever what does he now think right because we're you know we saw in the preview he's like i'm 105 years old so he's had a (laughs) long time to process all of this right uh and and again the the you mentioned the um with the 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 woman uh superhero silver silver specter is that her name silver silk specter yeah Silk Spectre, there we go. Yeah, we we see her as the FBI agent. She's now an FBI agent, um, and she's in subsequent episodes. And like, I'm getting to repeat myself. She's like, well, what's the difference between a, a, a mask vigilante and a mask cop? I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of like, which is what is right and what's wrong, uh, I think will. Oh, wait, that's her? I didn't. So she wasn't in the, she's in the preview for the next, you know, the on, yes. up, upcoming. Okay. Yep. That, oh, that's yep, interesting. Yep. Okay. But if you go to the IMDb well, so that- page. You you'll see it's it, it her, her right? Laurie, but that was Janice that's another yeah that's another holdover from the comics. Is my understanding is once they outlawed the the masks, they all became masks. fucking feds or, or outlaws basically. Yeah, they were like, well, we can't be vigilantes; we'll just be cops, right? So yeah. this is like a like very much a, a continuation of that. Yeah, Manhattan worked for the government. Um, she went to work for the government, and a bunch of them either retired. Uh, Rorschach kept uh vigilanteing without you know illegally whatever you want to call right. it so um but that's oh so okay that's interesting so I, so yeah i mean i for as much as it seems like it's diverging from watchmen or like not focusing on them it seems like almost all of the major players are gonna be integral to the the plot going forward and it's very yeah. cyclical in in that the series starts with uh, the murder of a, of a of a major character, and it seems to be a mystery as to who's behind it. 
And it seems like it might be once again, Osmandius who's orchestrating uh, for, for whatever, you know, perceived end goal, this kind of in fomenting this, this um, tension between the police and the seventh cavalry. Like he might want them to go to war with each other uh, for a, a as of now, unknown reason. Like we, you know, maybe I'm sure we'll, it'll become clear to us as the series goes on. But sure. I, that's well, my it, theory is that it, it seemed yeah. like, you know, in, in the comics or even in the movie that he, he was of sound mind. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. sort of uh, confirmed by the fact that um, Dr. Manhattan, presumably the smartest mind agreed with him. And now we're, we're kind of shown this, this version of Ozymandias where he may be insane, Right. So his, his reasoning may be completely unsound uh, in yeah. what he's doing now, but his his uh, means may be just as uh, malicious and just as violent. Well, and so and Osmandis, I I don't know that he was ever right. You know, like I think his he was very much an ends justifies the means guys where he was very like lawful evil almost to me to me. And I think people interpret his character differently, which is the great thing about Watchmen is that it's not black and white. There are a lot of unique shades of gray characters like where you could find uh, a, a logical reason to say, yeah, he was right. And then you can also make an argument that, yeah, but his ends did not justify the means, et cetera, et cetera. But I think at this point, whether he was right or not, the initial uh, time, he's certainly high on his own supply at this point and, and and totally out of touch with reality. He's Hillary Clinton in her fucking compound in Chappaqua, you know, mm. screaming about Russians around every corner. Like he thinks that he's, you know, he is humanity's savior and he, he is, you know, he knows better than all of us at this point, I think is what he Well, thinks. especially so if like, he's been isolated and his only interactions are with two robots he created programmed to, uh, you know, be yes men, essentially. Yeah. Adam uh, Parkmento and, uh, and then the other, and the other guy probably are the yeah. two, the, the, the real life equivalent. But yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think that's true. I think that's very possible. So, but so now Will Reeves, it, it's it's implied in that scene, at least, that he is the one who hung Don Johnson. Um, now, he's obviously a 105-year-old man, frail-looking man in a wheelchair. But it's heavily implied that he might be Hooded Justice, who is, the in, in the universe of Watchmen, the first ever mass vigilante. Started, right. you know, in 1938, which lines up, lines up perfectly time-wise. And we never nobody ever learns his identity and he's never his fate is unknown in the, in, in the universe mm-hmm. of the comic of Watchmen. And the only time you ever see him is through a flashback and people are like, Oh, well he's got white around his eyes in the comics and they, and Lindelof say he's not going to diverge from the comics, but that's easily explainable because you would notice in the series that, uh, uh, sister Knight has, um, has, you know, uh, face paint over her eyes so like he actually might just to be taken be be accepted in the 30s as a superhero have done white face paint around his eyes like that could easily be explained it was uh there was a a black woman on twitter that that remarked about the cinematography that you know Mm -hmm. uh, regina king is black in blackface wearing black (laughs) at night and you can still perfectly make out all of her features. So good job cinematographer. That's, that's the way you should be able to photograph things. Yeah. She's got one of the fucking coolest, like 
superhero cost like vigilante costume designs oh, I've when, seen when she while. hopped out of that car and that fucking like long trench coat just fucking opened they gave up her, like just, the batman just, hero just shot glided of, like, the, over yeah. the fucking concrete as she's walking i mean it it looked completely real and just perfect i was like that's yeah. that's how it should fucking look all right you don't need cgi all the time you can just make shit look the way it's yeah. perfect yeah uh, in that car too, you know, and then of course she, she fucking punches that guy out in the fucking, uh, Nixon world trailer park. And then she goes to the, to the cop shop in the, the parking garage and then gets out and doesn't grab the guy. And you're like, but that isn't, isn't he in the trunk? Like what, what's going on? And they don't answer that for a while. And then she's in <laughs> she Don Johnson's office with her feet up on the desk. <laughs> And you notice that, you know, Don Johnson's character comes in because, could you take your feet off my desk? And she doesn't even acknowledge that he said it and she doesn't fucking move her feet. <laughs> it's a yeah. little, a little kind of like who's in, who's in a, the real uh, MVP <laughs> here. And then it's like the reveal, uh, you know, when he, when he says, oh, you think I went too far? And she goes, there's a guy in my trunk right now. And you're like, <laughs> it's such a great, because we're all sitting there wondering like, well, wait, what happened to the guy? Is he in your trunk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, that, just, and that's, just, that's the kind of humor I think that that gave me leftover vibes because I think that was actually that's actually kind of one of Lindelof's strengths is that he does actually yeah. find like dark humor in without like overselling. Like he's really good at not overselling like absurdist humor in in his really grounded series. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, yeah. it's a really interesting tone that he strikes. But um, yeah, so. But so, yeah, so we that's where the episode ends. And, you know, he's there's a uh, it's other reasons people present. He's wearing a very hooded justice like um, uh, well, outfit. And the other the other big uh, clue is that uh, when he's waiting outside transition, when he's waiting outside the uh, the tea shop that hasn't opened for months or years, he says, hey, do you think I can lift 200 pounds? And she's like, yeah, right. <laughs> And yeah. it's like there, there's clearly that's like a oh actually he can kind of a thing or he, you might you might as well have just pulled out a bullhorn and being like this is foreshadowing I am foreshadowing right now like, yeah I mean that was, um, was kind of obvious but we still don't but, know for sure um, no if he's the one that heavily. actually hung him or if he so, kind of got stuck in there yes it's it's possible that he is hooded justice but he didn't actually hang him he's there to help her along in the process because she, he's sympathetic to her cause. Cause he's the original mass vigilante. So, uh, yeah. but by the way, one other, th- just to make it super obvious there, you know, there's this show within a show where it's a uh, American hero story. I guess I <laughs> yeah. assume it's like b- directed by Ryan Murphy, the American horror story guy. Um, and um, it's showing the story of the original Minutemen, which was uh, Hooded Justice was a part of. That was the original 1930s, you know, superheroes, um, <clears throat> uh, including the original, I think, Night Owl. So he um, th- there's a bus ad for that. And and, where, and there's they it, it holds on a picture of uh, Hooded Justice and then cuts immediately to him in, in her shop. Like, so it's a it's a very obvious, like nod transition where if it's not him, they're doing a lot to point us in that direction for no reason so i think that's pretty um that's that's heavily implied so but again Mm -hmm. the the interesting question will be going forward did he do it how did he do it why would he do it and if he didn't do it then who did it and why are they trying to start a, a, a war between 
a hot war between the police and the seventh cavalry to what end right so and that, even that's i think what the series question that open, they're like why would they start this again once you know once it mm-hmm. kind of gone away and you know it, it, at least with ozymandias we we see that uh you know there there's a motive within a motive almost right where uh you know, I'm always a big fan of stories where there's a protagonist or antagonist and their stated goal for something is not at all their real goal, right? Mm. Whether they know it yeah. or not, right? Exactly. Um, so it might just be simply something as simple as, you know, like we see in the preview how he's like, oh, I have this plan to change the world and it starts in Tulsa, Oklahoma for whatever reason, right? So, mm. uh, you know, maybe that's just the place oh, where Does he say that in the preview? Yeah, no, he does. He so, oh, does. Okay, so I'm even more convinced now that 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 he's fucking orchestrating this. Like that that has to be right, or it could be it could be coincidental too. And there's two different sort of trains that are running towards each other, right? Like it could be yeah. some other maybe, maybe. nefarious actor who's not in some you know uh, a Welsh castle riding a horse somewhere, <laughs> and you know it's kind of like just. Uh, um, you know, people have different goals and somehow their their different nefarious plans collide at some point. Yeah. And we did see a blue hand in that in the coming weeks. So we know Manhattan's going to factor into like physically factor into the show at some point. We think so. so I think. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. You think it's going to be played by uh, Billy Crudup again? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much blue dick there's going to be. In, in, in <laughs> I mean, it is HBO. So you're bound to see it is HBO. So they're, 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 they're totally. Uh, <laughs> totally free uh, to do that but uh <laughs> no, Hodor, so, man they fucking <laughs> yeah, casting some massive wing on HBO. yeah yeah for sure so yeah i yeah i think we pretty much hit everything in the episode um i i really enjoy, I, I was excited for it and i was pleasantly surprised by how good it was and how much i enjoyed it yeah so, it, I, it, it, it really um I mean, once once they started with the Tulsa stuff, I was like, "Holy shit, this is not at all what they pretend it was going to be." They they really lured people in uh, by trying to say, "Oh, it's not going to be political," because of course everyone's like, "Oh, why is it getting political? Why why is this new version political?" Whereas the old one, as if fucking absurd. Watchmen was apolitical, one of the most political comics oh of all God. fucking time. Like it's preposterous, but yeah, yeah. But right. um, so the first trailer I saw, I wasn't that impressed with it looked like just like a bunch of gloomy Zack uh, Snyder shots. And then uh, like the bigger trailer, I was like, okay, there's definitely uh, more they're trying to tell here, but I was still blown away at uh, the the depth of storytelling. Like there was, I mean, not even counting like just all the Easter eggs to the original comic that were, that were in there. There's videos about that. There was one I sent you like 81. Yeah. yeah. There's so many. And they they just fly through them. It's, it's amazing. But uh no they're gonna you know we always say that you know we 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 can't solve racism until we really talk about it in the right Mm -hmm. ways right and and how do we how do we talk about anything as a society right it's it's through entertainment you know for for lack of any better national venue entertainment can do those kinds of things so uh, I want to, you know, hope optimistically feel like this this uh, series or at least this season might do that in a really big way. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just like, Hey, we need a bad guy. How about, how about KKK? Like they're going to, they're going to tell a story um, that's going to be about structures that people aren't uh, used to talking about or acknowledging still exist. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't think they would structure the entire story around systematic racism and white supremacy and then just make the cops the good guys because that's obviously not what history shows us uh no. you know so and, and I, that's, that's why it's, it's not like, what the it's not the fucking world the watchman has has ever been about exactly right? the, the whole thing is pulling the mask off of uh the the, the, the bullshit state. idea <laughs> you know just like you got a bunch of uh, vigilantes with masks and, and may or may not have superpowers. It's like, is, is Batman moral or ethical? Is a billionaire that beats the shit out of fucking low level criminals and throws and crazy people, <laughs> mentally ill people. Yeah. And beats the shit. Uh, yeah. out of them. Yeah, Joker's the good guy. Now Joker's the good guy. Now, <laughs> but we do live in a society comrade. I'm not sure if you're aware, oh, but uh, take a shot, take a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really am looking forward to covering the show going forward in whatever format that takes. I'm really just looking forward to watching it as a fan every week because, um, yeah, it's tremendous. And I, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what what unfolds on the show. So, yeah. Well, um, if it if it's this good every episode, I feel like it's worth reviewing every episode. Uh, yeah. You know, if it kind of if it if it scales back a little bit, we might maybe just do like every two or three. We'll just kind of see how it goes. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, sure. I, I uh, I'm I'm more optimistic and excited about it now that I've seen it and seen how much work they put into making something really fucking amazing. Uh, I hope it's this good. I'd love to talk about it a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that about does it for us this week. Uh, obviously if you like our, uh, entertainment takes and you want to hear us talk about politics, we do a main political podcast every week, move left idiots on the same feeds that you're getting this on. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, obviously you can rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts that helps us out in the ratings. Uh, you can, uh, find us on Facebook. If you want to talk over there, it's facebook.com slash move left idiots. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash move left. We have merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Uh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Get on my Twitter. It's smart collector with an ER, not an OR. We'll see you next time.